Welcome to the Real Estate Roundtable Podcast, where we sit down with some of the most successful real estate agents, brokers, and team leaders to learn about their journeys in this industry. I'm your host, Art Batuzzi, and as a seasoned real estate agent of 29 years, I'm always fascinated by the stories of how others found success in this business. On this podcast, we'll be talking to our guests about the obstacles they overcame, the lessons they learned, and the tips and strategies they're using in today's ever-changing market. Whether you're a real estate agent, broker, team leader, investor, or just someone interested in real estate, you're in the right place. Our guests come from a variety of backgrounds and they all have unique insights to share. We wanna have fun with these interviews, but we also wanna make sure that you come away with actionable tips that you can implement in your own business. New episodes will be released weekly, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us on the Real Estate Roundtable Podcast. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, it's Art Batuzzi with the Real Estate Roundtable Podcast, and I am joined today by literally one of my favorite people in real estate. Her name is Carrie Little, and she has just got an amazing personality, an amazing business, and you'll find out that she's also a tremendous instructor as well. And I think, Carrie, you and I met um, about five years ago. I've heard about you before that, maybe a little bit longer, because Carrie's husband, Mark, actually was one of my students in the pre-license course. And once he passed the state exam, Carrie, who is the managing broker of Caremark Realty, I got it right, because when you see it spelled, it's spelled C-A-R-M-A-R-C, and everybody wants to call it Carmark, but they're wrong, absolutely wrong as she was quick to point out to me right before we start. <laughs> so let me let her say hello. Carrie, thank you so much for being here. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to our listeners. Well, thank you. I appreciate being here. It's, it's always good to have a conversation about real estate and talk about what's happening, what's new, what's exciting. Uh, people want to know. Again, you, you heard what I think in terms of what you've done with your career. I think you got a great story and you are really a powerhouse when it comes to a couple of different areas that I want to discuss. But first, why don't you tell us how you actually got into real estate and got to this point? So true story. I bought a townhouse from a builder in the city I live in. When I went under contract or even before I went under contract, I was working with a real estate agent. And this real estate agent even today uh, is now an attorney. So she was kind of one of the motivations for why I got into real estate. But when I went under contract with this builder, I would go there probably every weekend after church. And so they were, you know, I was, they were like, do you just want to come work here on the weekends? And so that's what I did. I actually became the host or the hostess or the person that greeted everyone coming in. To the point where I just, it was just fun for me. Like, I like to go let people see their uh, townhouse says they were being built. I went to see mine. I learned so much about the process, but I quickly realized that I could only 
get so much in a referral fee. So why not get my real estate license? I think I had sold three of those townhouses before wow. realizing that I could actually get paid to actually either refer or actually help someone purchase a home. So 1997, and then I got licensed in 2001. And one of the other reasons that, um, that I got licensed was because my real estate agent did a fabulous job, but it's a little bit different with new construction because it can almost be hands off depending on how you do your business. I felt like when it came to the mortgage part that I could do a better job of explaining the process. And I was one of those people that, you know, I think I grew up with a silver spoon in my mouth, but I didn't pay my bills on time, Art. Oh. And it wasn't that I didn't want to. It just wasn't important. You would think it would have been important because my mother always paid her bills on time. But she never sat with myself and my sister to talk about why you need to pay your bills on time. And so because of that process and being a first time home buyer, I had to write a lot of letters. I had to explain why I was late. And it made me realize, wait, a minute, you could do this better. I'm an expert at FHA because of it. And when I share my story about the process with first-time homebuyers or first-generational buyers, people who move here from other countries, they can relate to me because they may have gone through the same thing as me. They've never lived in a home, they've only rented, or they've never lived in the United States. So for me, it was more than just showing the house. It was, I can explain the process because I had been through it. Yeah, I actually will tell you that that was my biggest challenge when I first got into real estate. Because I remember I was, I was at the time when I first got in, I was doing condo conversions and I had never bought anything. I had been a, a renter literally my entire life other than, you know, my parents' home. And when I first started in the business and I was, it was going slow and I was like, I don't, I don't know if this is for me. And my direct mentor said to me, he goes, you've never bought anything, have you? And I went, well, no, because, you know, I don't know. And he's like, yeah, you need to do that. You need to buy one of the condos. And, and I looked at him and I said, is this how you guys sell all these condos? You sell it to your people? Was this like your racket? <laughs> and and that, that's literally what I said, because I'm like, I, I don't understand. You know, I don't have a lot of money, so I don't know. And so he showed me a way to do it. And I swear to you, Carrie, right after we closed, literally, it was about a five-month process. 1995 and five months and it was painful because I too had a small challenge with making sure things were there on time right and so sure enough as soon as I closed I could now explain the process to people and my sales just shot up so I credit that literally with it as a turning point to keep me in this business that early on so I understand exactly what you're talking about what you just said to everyone is, is if you're a real estate agent and you don't own, you need to go through the process because it will be easier for you to explain. I've had people push back and say, Carrie, well, I just don't want to own. I don't want to be committed. Own, because then in a few years, maybe that could become an Airbnb or maybe it could become, you can now become an investor or maybe you do have to sell it. But if you, if you don't go through the process, it is harder to you're, you don't even feel what it's like to, to explain it to someone. So because I had gone through it, it made it so much easier. And because we may have had challenges buying, when we tell that story, it helps someone go, oh, I can buy. And people think that it's certain groups that can't buy. There are, there's a lot of people that didn't grow up the same way or didn't have something handed to them or didn't get a gift. 
there are a lot of people that have challenges. So if you're the real estate agent and you're listening to this, I challenge you to go through the process. Get on the phone, call the loan officer, right? And go through the process, even if your credit's up. You got to fix it. That's a different process. Right. And it's certainly one we have to deal with with people, right? I mean, because, you know, let's face it. Owning a home in, in the U.S. Is, is like part of the American dream, right? And so for us to be able to help somebody, they've got to understand the different facets that all go into, you know, the American dream. And so having the ability to explain it to some degree, there's things, you know, I don't get deep into the different loan programs or any of that stuff, but certainly having the ability to explain it and get them to the right professionals has absolutely helped me, you know, close a lot more deals than people who are, who got in the business and are out of the business for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you're getting the business. Now you're in the business. You've got your license early 2000s. And we had a heck of a time in the early 2000s, didn't we? I mean, stuff was flying off the shelf, wasn't it? So for me, so I got licensed. I passed the exam in June of 2001. And I started working for a big box brokerage July 1st, 2001. So that means as of this month, I've been in the business 22 years. So I've been in prior to that working for the builder, but licensed since 2001. You know, things were flying off the shelf, but they weren't flying off the shelf when I first started. So July 1st, 2001, we didn't have Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Dig Delicious, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat. We didn't have social media. Matter of fact, we had email and agents were faxing to do marketing. We could talk about that a whole nother day. And if you had a smartphone or a flip phone, it was a bonus. We all had phones at our desk. So again, we didn't have the social media platform. So what I did before I got my license is I picked up the phone. This is how we picked up phones back then, right? We held them, our fingers to our ears. So we held the phone. I called all my friends and I said, listen, I'm getting my real estate license. If you think you want to buy or sell a house, don't do anything until I get licensed. And I got three transactions out of that. So they trusted me enough. So my first, so by the 15th of July, I had my first listing. By around August 15th, I had closed that listing. Like this to me was like gold. I'm like, this is the best hustle ever. Like this is this easy. And then I started working with another person and I listed their property. And then my third deal was a for sale by owner. The last one, the for sale by owner was during 9-11. So now I closed two deals, then 9-11. And that's when everything changed. Kind of like the pandemic, interest rates went dropped. Anyone that could breathe could sell real estate. If you listed it, it was probably going to go. If you had if you had a credit score, but no, but you didn't have a huge income, you could state your income. Like every, it was easy to do the business of real estate in 2001, two, three, four, five, and I'll say six. Right. When seven is kind of when it changed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I remember those days, oh, we had a good time. We did. Especially in the condo conversion world, what you just said, you know, no stated income, no income verification. I mean, we sold 200 units in 24 hours, five times, five times, Arizona, Florida, Arizona, Florida, Arizona, 
five different projects, 200 units each, sold them each in a day, one day, literally, of having people walk in the door to buy their properties. And it was just amazing, right? It was it was a good time to be in real estate, no doubt about it. But then, as you pointed out, uh, and by the way, I just looked up this stat. In uh, 2006, the total membership of the National Association of Realtors was 1,380,000, right? Right around there, 1.4. And over the next five years, it dropped to 999,000 and change. And that's because we got hit with 2000 and late 2007, early 2008, when everything started, when the bottom dropped out, right? It did. So, I'm, I'm looking at the numbers. Like 1999, we had 761,181,000. So 761. And now we're at one, as of 2022. Yeah. Go, oh, a little under 1.6 million. There's a lot of us. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, it's gone back up since 2012. And I don't know if you know this, Art, but in Illinois, we have 51,000 uh, Realtor members, and that doesn't include the licensees that are not with an, an association, because we have areas like farms and things like that where people just are not necessarily attached to the association like we are. And here, here's what's interesting: is in 2008 we had, and this is I'm going to say Northern Illinois, but we can define Northern Illinois probably Champaign up to the Wisconsin border now. We had 97, 790 single family homes available for sale in a calendar year. So that would be like, so this is January, 2008. So I would say this would be like February, 2007 through January, 2008. And now if we look at here, I'll go get January numbers. So like January, so this will be February, 2022 through January, 2023, 20,671 properties for sale. That is that is way less than the number of realtors in our market. Absolutely. But there's also, Carrie, let's face it, there's a stat out there that says 56% of all people that have a real estate license sell Zippo in a year. They, they have zero transactions. I feel like they should pull out the designated managing broker. Yeah, because but that data can might be a little skewed because I would be a designated managing broker and it is rare that I sell, but I'm probably working just as hard as someone that's because we're training or educating the agents in the office. No doubt about it. I also think that that includes people who have licenses that are in property management that don't record transactions as well. Yeah. So I always I always give it like a 20% grace when I'm talking about that. But still, I mean, at 1.6, you're still talking about 800,000, almost 850,000 people that are not selling anything or, or transacting anything, right? Or we, or they could be transaction, transacting, but like my husband, he likes to buy and renovate. So you won't even know if those properties never hit the market, because if he buys it, that where it has never hit the market, then he renovates and it becomes a rental property. 
Yeah. Those properties never hit the marketplace unless we turn in that stat. And a lot of agents that are producing that way, they just they just want to make a living, and it's they don't care about the the accolades. They don't have to be top producers. Got it. But so, how did you survive in those four or five years as a broker? And by the way, when did you you started Caremark? Um, when twenty seventeen. So, so I started the process in 2016, uh, launched in March 2017. Mark got licensed in 20, in September of 2017. And really, the truth is, the only reason why I hold my own license was because I started teaching around 2008. Right when the market really started to shift, like when we started to see, you know, inventory it really, inventory was still up, but median sales prices started to go down. You know, homes were sitting, I think market time, you know, in, you know, was up to 122 days, 162 days on the market. There were times when we could have seen houses on the market for a year. So I, I kind of switched gears for a couple of reasons in 2008. Number one, our multiple listing service had a post up that said, would you like to teach and I like to teach. I even um, used to volunteer at the church and teach people how to use Microsoft products. So for me, it was easy. And then uh, when I realized I still needed an income, I actually went to work for McDonald's East Coast Real Estate Division as a legal assistant. And I got to learn all about commercial for about a year and a half. I was able to sustain being a real estate agent because between 2007 and 2008, I had a regular income. But I also stayed in the real estate industry. It was easy for them to hire me because I was already in the industry. So for me, you know, it was a value add, you know, and I got my paralegal certification on Mickey's. <laughs> Why not? Right. That's something you didn't know. No, that is something I didn't know. Absolutely. hundred percent. And here, so here, let me ask you about this. Cause I've always wondered this. I mean, McDonald's has specialists that go out and look for the location, right? I mean, they just- Yeah, that's, they have, you know, based on what it was like when I worked there, because I was East Coast, but they had East Coast, they had Central, they had West Coast, they had specialty, like when you go to the airport, those are specialty areas. Um, so so there was a legal department for all of those, a tour department, you name it. But they also had, even have a marketing department, you name it, they probably got it. But when it came to, they had regional- offices. And these were the people that would um, go out and find the actual properties. Something else you didn't know is when I was at Elmhurst College, before getting my real estate license, I my professor was the person that did the model for McDonald's. So the cool thing was, and when I say modeler, it's a modeler program that they take all of this data and they tell you if McDonald's will be successful on any given day. So, you know, if you see a McDonald's go up, it is going to make a lot of money. They pay a lot of money for it now, don't they? Oh, yeah, because now you and I don't even it could have changed. But, you know, when you break crock, if you've never seen the movie, it's kind of read the book. But the I, read the, I watched the movie. I watched the movie and I read the book. But the, the interesting thing was is McDonald's would sell you the land and the building. Now I am pretty McDonald's. Um, you rent the building from McDonald's, and now the landowners. We could have three podcasts talking about this stuff. <laughs> now 
what make that what the landowners did. So if you ever see like a strip mall and you see a McDonald's there, you can best believe that that landowner is doing a land lease to McDonald's. And then the new franchisee is taking on all of that. And they right. typically, I don't think they want you to own just one. I'm sure there's a few. And I don't work for McDonald's anymore, so you have to do the research. But it is really a cool concept for someone that wanted to be in the franchise business. And then, you know, they train you. But everyone has gotten smart. So if, any, if there's someone out there that, still, that owns a McDonald's from the original lot of McDonald's properties, they own the land and they own the building. And you'll see there's franchise property franchisees, and then you're also going to see that there's a corporate. I can tell you the difference between a corporate location and a franchise location just by driving by. Really? All right. Well, there's a skill I didn't know you had. Yes. Is it the French? Is it the French fries? Mm, I can I can tell by the upkeep. I can tell by the shirts they wear because there's usually it's usually different, and sometimes the coffee doesn't taste the same. I swear they're cheating. All right. Well, we do not want McDonald's to come down and slap me on this. So McDonald's, here's my disclaimer. I have no knowledge. I love the fries and the sweet tea. There we go. There we go. And then, yeah. So the, I, you know, <laughs> McDonald's, McDonald's, this is a fun fact. McDonald's is in the business of um, real estate. Yep. Well, oh, and actually that was my favorite line in the movie, The Founder is when one of the guys, and I don't remember if it was his attorney or his accountant, said to him, Ray, you think you're in the hamburger business. And Ray says, I am in the hamburger business. The guy said, no, you're not. You're in the real estate business. And I, in that moment, I went, oh, I got it. Just like he did. So absolutely right. All right. So let's fast forward then. You you got into 2008, 9, 10. So what did you have to learn to survive in 9, 10, 11, 12? What did you have to learn in real estate to be able to continue? You had to be innovative and you had to be willing to continue to learn and you had to keep working. So let me, so for example, that's when we all were trying to figure out a short sale. When a house is being sold short of what was owed, Typically was in pre-foreclosure, not always the case, but typically. So I had to learn that process. And this was before we had short sale negotiators or attorneys, because we we use attorneys in Illinois. That's a we use attorneys in Illinois. We're not even necessarily an attorney state, but we use attorneys. So attorneys became experts in the process. I became an expert in the process to stay afloat. And now we've even got courses you can take, but that is what kept me working in the business because I became an expert on working with short sales. And then, uh, again, I started teaching in 2008 how to use technology. And it might have been only, a, you know, three classes uh, a month. But then I also realized that there was more out there in education. So even if someone's like, you know, what, I want to I want to be a real estate agent, but maybe you're, you come from the education world. I will say you do need some practical experience. That's my opinion. I believe people can teach anything, but it's when you have the stories that it resonates with someone because you know how. Because I used to edit television for a living. I worked for a company called NEC Technologies. I, you know, I just have a background in tech. Tech just comes easy to me. So, the, to, so 2008, I started teaching. And I even still to the day teach for the MLS. Sometimes the joke is, should I still be doing this? It gives me access and I get to see things faster than others. Um, 
And I just, I kind of like educating real estate. It's fun. And, and because of that, I started writing my own continuing ed courses for the, for the state. And then I started, and then it, all you need to do is one day get involved in like women's council or, a, you know, NAREP, the National Association of Hispanic Realtors. We have NAREP, African-American group. We've got the Gay and Lesbian Alliance. We've got uh, ARIA, ASARP, I think. We've got all these different groups. And so I spoke for women's council. And then it's like the, the floodgates of heaven. And I became a national speaker, not necessarily overnight, but it gave me a platform to educate at the national level. And so I will often get asked to speak in my own state, but I just came back from Boca Raton teaching artificial intelligence. So kind of changed the game. Well, and also um, my office. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, too. Let me just say this is that this is one of the things that I, I wanted to delve into a little bit is that. You are a national and actually probably international. I spoke in Canary Islands in in Spain. I I, see. I knew that. I knew that. And so (laughs) you're an international instructor, teacher, trainer, right? And so you instruct on behalf of the National Association of Realtors, right? On behalf of the Illinois Association of Realtors, on behalf of the Main Street Organization of Realtors, plus anybody else that wants to, you know, bring in your services and put a class together, you'll go out and you'll do that training for those people. Is that right? It is. Sometimes I'm an educator. Sometimes I am a keynote. It just really depends on what they need. I really do like the education part of it because I, I mean, I had someone send me a text, but she, they made a post on Facebook and said, Carrie, I'm doing exactly what you told me to do. You're going to love this art. I only sent out 10 pieces of mail. And I have, first of all, she got a, she got at least four, four to six people to scan the QR code out of the 10, out of the 10 pieces of mail. And she's got a coming soon listing. I teach the basics. And then I help agents integrate social media and tech because everything still works. And if you look at data, you know, you know, we got the silent generation and the baby boomers. Listings still come from the mailbox. Do I think there'll be a shift? Maybe. But I know that my mother reads all of her mail. She's, you know, I think she, if I'm, she's 74. She still reads the mail. She still thinks that the agents that are mailing to her are the expert. Although she does think I'm the expert on her condo in Georgetown. Because I can look up the data. The truth is, is people still are, we we don't get as much mail as we used to. So anyone over, let's say the over, over the age of 45 is probably going to hire you from the mailbox, but there are a few out there that will hire you from social media. And we do know what is the median age of a first time buyer, maybe 33, 34. Yep. They're all on social media and the world wide web might be 34 years old now. They are, everything they do is online. I have, my youngest is like 21 and they are faster than us. So they're going to go do the research. They're going to find the house online. They still need a real estate professional, but in, in the real estate game, the value comes in when I get to teach it to you and you actually put it to work. Pick one, just pick one art, just one. Right. Which, which one do I pick? Right. It, well, I'll say if if I am an, a new real estate agent 
and and I meet you and I'm like, tell me, tell me about who you are. Tell me your friends and family. And let's say you're over the age of 50 and you always worked in a warehouse. You're going to have to go outside. You're going to have to go to events. You're going to have to go to every family event. You're going to have to go back to the people you used to work with. And you're going to have to get out an old school pen and notebook. I might have one. <laughs> and you're going to have to get all those names and phone numbers and emails and addresses. And you're going to have to do some traditional marketing, even if it's a handwritten note card, because you're not going to be able to keep up with the, the generation that has tech. So I would say build your business based on what you know. If you are in, in I don't know about you, Art, but in 2001, when I got my license, my mother paid for me to get my license. My mother paid for me to sign up with the company. I'm telling you, I could see how agents go in and cry. She paid for everything. So for me, I didn't have the pocketbooks to do what everyone else did. So I walked my neighborhood, 190 properties every single month and took me seven months to get my first listing. And that's when I took over. So it is, you have to work the way your network communicates with you. So, you know, if you're not on social media, you still might want to add Facebook. If you're, you know, every Facebook is still the number one social media tool. We got TikTok, we got Instagram, but most are still on Facebook. So you need to start using it, but you got to work where your network is. And you know, if you've never had it, you got to go, you might have to go to the bar, you know, church on Sunday. You got to let people know you're in the business. And I don't mean just pass it out your card. Just you got to start talking to people. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things where when we get people coming to our classes, you know, they're like, can I do this from sitting behind my computer? You can maybe generate some leads, but at some point you're going to have to go talk to people. It's I like to say it's a belly to belly business. One of my mentors recently said it's eyeball to eyeball. You got to be you got to see people. You've got to interact with people. You know, and and I know there's people that say, well, I'm an introvert and I don't necessarily like doing that. And that's okay because there's room for those people in this business as well. It's just you have to you have to use other methods, right? So and let me say that I have there's an agent that I work with. Two friends and a parent introvert. I'm like, okay, how are we going to do this? Let's talk. This agent is a little bit on social media. It is, it, and I, I can tell when I'm talking to an introvert, introvert, because I will wear you out. I already know. I know my husband's grabbing my hand. We're going to make them, they're going down. <laughs> this agent started placing ads on Google and has now, I'm not going to say closed. We're going to say rented three properties, maybe over $1,500 a piece. And depending on the compensation, we already know what this agent might have received but had to figure out how to generate leads their own way because they're not going outside. But they're going outside every day to show properties. And this agent is dual career. So even if you're an introvert, it can still work. If you're an introvert and you love data, you could, you know, you could build your own modelers. There's an agent that I work with who interviewed another agent in, in the Atlanta area. And this agent is loves data, built a data modeler, and, and actually, I think did about 100 properties in the first year because they looked at data. They worked with people that were looking to buy. You know, you've got these, these big organizations that need to buy sight unseen. And he was telling them the best properties they need to buy. And they were buying based on data. So there's always a way to do things from behind your desk and never go out. I would say if you're new, you 
go work for an agent that where you can sit behind your desk all day and, and do their paperwork. And then show houses when they need you to because you're you built a job. There's there's always a way to do it. You just have to figure out what that is. Excellent. So when you are um when you're out teaching, instructing, uh, these are pretty much continuing education courses or new information that people need to know. What kind of course structure do you have? Not structure, what kind of courses do you offer? So for me, I I mean, I, I teach classes that are not continuing ed. Like right now I'm doing one once a month for a local association for new real estate agents. And it is just for new real estate agents that got their license for two years or less. And so you don't get any continuing ed, but we give you the boots on the ground to get you to do the work. I, you know, I go out and I've done 30 minute keynote speeches. I've done, you know, I've written courses for people. I wrote one for the National Association of Realtors undergrad program. Uh, that's like an eight week course. I think it's eight weeks. But a lot of times, you know, when right now continuing ed season is going to kick in for Illinois Realtors or just Illinois. It, everyone has to be done by April of 2024. So probably in September, I'll be teaching a lot of continuing ed in my state. But I'm going to like Women's Council in Anaheim in November, and that is not continuing it. And I think it's like an hour class on how to start a podcast. Woo! All right. <laughs> All right. So let's then um, pivot just a little bit because as the designated managing broker of Caremark, um, first of all, um, how, how large, I believe it's a boutique agency, yes? Yes. Okay. So how many, how many agents do you have within your company? So I believe we're at 27 today. I interviewed another agent yesterday and I fluctuate between like 25 and 45, depending. And so we are definitely boutique, but I, I feel like I'm a, with a, I have a big box feel because I'm very tech savvy and I, I offer everything that a big box brokerage offers. The only difference is is I don't have a physical office anymore because I went through a program and they convinced me to get rid of it during the pandemic. We'll see. Mark won't let me rent anything he wants me to buy. So I do training in person uh, based on the agents, but I also have like a full online platform where they can watch on demand or they get a monthly calendar when we're when I'm teaching. Like I'm doing office hours on Saturday morning because people disappear in summer. So definitely a boutique brokerage. And again, I started the brokerage because I wasn't selling a lot anymore. I was teaching and my husband was like, Carrie, if you don't hold my license, I'm not getting my license. And then I also learned that as a female and as a minority, I could have the minority business certification and the women uh, business certification, which I just got in March. So I'm, I'm still learning. I'm going to events to learn so I can figure out how to have a pillar of commercial real estate at the brokerage. So I can train agents on how to do research because a lot of times when you work in commercial, you're doing a lot of research and the government just wants the data. They don't necessarily need you to list the property. So I'm training, I want to train agents on how to figure out how to have a good conversation with someone on the other end. And it's not just about buying and selling. It's about knowing the, what's happening in a specific area. Got it. So just to follow up a little bit, one of the questions or a couple of the questions that I get from people, you know, who didn't realize that they had to join a company 
to get their license in Illinois. Uh, they're like, well, well, how long does it take me to run my own place? I want to run my own place. And so, I, you know, I tell them it's the two years you got to have your, your, your broker's license for two years in Illinois. But can you speak to the idea of, of actually starting your own company, the pluses and minuses of, of that for you and, and maybe potentially for somebody that might want to do it in the future? I would say do whatever you want to do. If you want to open a brokerage, open one. But then I'm going to say don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) I've had agents come up to me or to my husband and say, I owe Carrie an apology. I create courage. I'm like, do whatever you want. If you want to open a brokerage, do it. But if someone asked me, what do I think? I would say, tell tell me your history in real estate. If you really want to open a brokerage, I challenge you, I don't care what state you're in, go to your association business meetings, the state business meetings, and the national association business meetings. Why? Because when you do, you get to know what's happening in the world of real estate. And it is the meetings that you're going to find boring. So you got to bring a notebook, sit in the front, and take a lot of notes. Because that keeps us, our licenses safe. And it helps you understand how to talk to your agents. Like some agents, uh, for example, don't know that in if you don't pay your taxes, your license can be suspended, like your real estate taxes. So what does that mean? That also means that if you don't file your taxes by the extension date, and let's say, for example, you don't pay a, a state tax, not an IRS tax, not a um, a your your real estate taxes or your um, business taxes. I mean, if you went to buy a car and you didn't pay that tax, if you are a licensee that gets submitted to the Department of Regulations, and then they can do an audit. They can say, "Oh, you paid it, but now we're going to do a random audit." And then, if you haven't paid your taxes or filed your taxes, your license can be shut off. These are things that we don't know when we decide to open a business. I am all for if you're going to open a business before you do it, have a plan. Don't just go to your managing broker and say, I think I want to open a business because they're going to shut you down. This is not when you decide to open a business, we're going to get cupcakes and have banners and say, congratulations, we wish you well. No, they're going to shut you down because you now become a competitor. So I say, if you really want to do it, get involved in the local association get involved in state and national, because then it'll help you realize, well, maybe I'm not ready. Or maybe if you're going to do it, you do it with yourself and someone else so you can learn. Because the moment you take on licensees and you sponsor licenses, you are responsible. So my stress is different from my husband's. I'm like, what, what happened? Like I get emails. Um, I probably only, I've only been in one hearing for my 22 years in business for my own office. And it was an ethics violation. Um, The agent was not found in violation. But what you don't know is, can you mediate for someone? I used to work for attorneys, so I can mediate. I have business law in my background. So everything I've done up until this point or even 2017 helps me in business. If you are not ready, I say, Go volunteer and learn. Because the agents that came back to me and said, Carrie, I opened a broker, I owe you an apology. This is not easy. You will make more money selling real estate than you will running a brokerage. Yeah. 
I think that may, may, and let me, let me say, let me say, there's always the, if you're really good at it, you'll hire a lot of real estate agents. There's different models out there. So I always say you get your Excel spreadsheet out, do the math. Does it make sense today? Cause there's some people that are going to surpass me because I love to teach. And right now my goal is not, I'm not intentionally recruiting because I need to get the agents that work for me now to do the business. And I just went back outside Art, that, you, you know, I actually listed a house. Two. Now, they're, I'm under Mark's team. I did an open house. We had more than eight or nine offers. I have this, I have a spreadsheet. So I'm going through the process. I'm having to explain why we didn't call for highest and best. I, I mean, I'm, I do this every day, but when you're in it, you don't realize that the market has shifted. So do I think anyone can own a brokerage? Absolutely. You need to understand that you are now responsible for everyone. There you go. And I think, and I think that that's very well said in terms of people saying to us, well, I, and of course their main motivator, Carrie, is that they don't want to give up a piece of their commission, right? They'll, I'll keep it all. It'll be me. It'll be fine. But they, they don't realize that, that what they're getting in a brokerage situation, you know, the liability and the costs and all the other stuff, they think, you know what, even if they're a one person show. They think I'll still make more money because I'm now not paying a split. That's right, because they did it all for you. They have their online platforms. They have the E&O. They're giving you a CRM. They're giving you e-signatures. Maybe. They are training you. They're the ones that are taking on the responsibility. It doesn't mean you're not liable as well, but you know, you. know, I have to do research on E&O. And then what people don't know is if I have um, one agent that boosts our commercial side, you know, changes. So now we might need a different independent contractor agreement for residential and commercial. Like there's all these different facets that we don't know about. And even with property management, property management, um, it's not a different license, but you might need different insurances because property management is the most fined part of real estate than any anything else. So if you were to, I always tell, you know, agents like come to the business meetings and listen to the attorneys from Illinois Realtors and the department and the Department of Regulations comes out and they they give you the data on the fines. Property management is a big one because people don't know in the city of Chicago, they have different regulations, Cook County. And a lot of people don't even know that as of January 1st, you know, the, the source of income is a protected class in the entire state. And we have agents putting in our multiple listing service will not accept the housing voucher. I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> and if I know the managing broker, I'm like, hey, you might want to check out this. Because someone is going to, you can actually click. We can do fines that are sight unseen. I mean, like uh, anonymous. So our goal as managing brokers is to protect you. So we become a compliant. First of all, let's talk about that. Boutique, I'm compliance. I'm a trainer. I'm the, I'm the janitor. I'm the mediator. And notice I didn't even say CEO or boss yet. <laughs> so people, everybody wants to be a boss, be a boss. I believe, like I said, anyone can do this. You just have to have the strength for it because I'll have agents that'll say, Carrie, can we talk? I'm like, I mean, they're going somewhere else. Who's offering somebody a check? So I call and then I get off the phone and Mark's like, Carrie, get over it. I'm like, I can't get over it. They come after my agents after I train them. But the truth is, is you have to have some, you have to have thick skin and you have to be able to move on.
Hey there, Real Estate Roundtable podcast listeners. I want to take a moment to tell you about our sponsor, I Love Real Estate School. If you're looking to get your real estate license or fulfilling your continuing education requirements, I Love Real Estate School's got you covered. As an Illinois licensed school, they offer the state-required broker pre-license course, managing broker pre-license courses, post-licensing courses, and continuing education. And the best part, you can take the courses either through their live stream with a live instructor or online home study. So no matter where you are, you can get the education you need to take your real estate career to the next level. I Love Real Estate School is committed to helping you succeed in the industry. That's why they offer comprehensive, high-quality education at an affordable price. So if you're ready to start your real estate journey or stay up to date with your continuing education, head on over to iloverealestateschool.com today to learn more. I know you and Mark well enough to know that you would never stand in anybody's way to to take that in their mind that next step you know maybe to to go somewhere maybe with a different split or somewhere that they you know again the grass is always greener on the other side right of course it's where you water it it. right (laughs) you could water it right here it'd be green but so I know you're not a person that would stand in anybody's way but I'm certain you've had people that have left you and come back because they go, you know, I didn't realize what was going on on the other side of the fence. Right. Well, I have an agent. I have agents that, that are dual career. I have one even right now. I'm looking down at my phone who, you know, sometimes it's frustrating that they don't show up, but at least they're communicating with me when they have questions. Like I can't always get people to show up and there are rules when we have 1099 or independent contractors, but a lot of times we we really don't realize what's happening in the world of real estate and we want to jump ship. I'm all for there. Our, our incoming president for Main Street said to me, Carrie, if someone says they want to open a brokerage, help them. I was like, what? He was like, answer their questions. When they leave, you can't really necessarily help them, but answer their questions. Why not? I guess he said, wouldn't you rather have someone out there that's professional? than to send them away and then they mess it all up for everyone else. So I was like, okay, I like that. Yeah, that's a great mindset to have. I mean, it doesn't mean I'm going to give you the the roadmap to success, but I'm going to say what I said before, go to all of the local association business meetings, law day, and then show up to the state meetings. Because when you do that, you, you actually will protect yourself and you might decide I want to do this, but I'm going to take a little bit longer before I flip the switch. Got it. Um, just to finish up on on this piece, um, what do you think is the biggest challenge in managing your agents? Or not, I won't say yours, just say agents. Keep in mind, it could be any. Um, a lot of times agents get into the business and they think it's just easy. The hardest part is getting people to show up to and do the work. It is, I mean, this is not a job. You are now an entrepreneur. And my youngest son said it this way. Because one day he was over and he said, mom, I go to work and I don't understand why someone has to take uh, five breaks and they're only there for a four hour shift. I'm like, tell me more. (laughs) Because now I'm like, you got my ear. 
when you're, you know, when he's young, he said, well, because he's an entrepreneur. And he said the hardest part about getting people to show up or getting people to do the business is it's called work. You, the hardest part of training or educating or managing is that you have to have the mindset of I have to show up and do the work and I have to show up to learn and I have to go out and get the business. We get our real estate licenses thinking that someone is going to give us leads. If we give you leads, there's a split involved, a different split than what you're probably what, what your independent contractor agreement said, because now if I'm buying the leads or giving you the leads, now the split might change. So a lot of times I think the hardest part is getting people to want to show up to learn. And, you know, we have a lot of people that get in because social media makes Instagram, Instagrams to me, TikTok, you know, people, you know, they're walking down the street in their best outfit, red bottom shoes, you got the Louis Vuitton purse where it's showing up in a Bentley. What people don't know is I can rent the Louis Vuitton purse, rent the red bottom shoes, the Louis Vuitton shoes, and the Bentley from Turo, and I can give the persona of I've arrived. And I'm not saying that's true for everyone. I'm I'm, I'm being a, I'm exaggerating, but we can rent this stuff, and we give the persona of it, it, real estate can give you instant success. Nothing happens overnight. I mean, the 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 you're going to win the race by showing up, learning, and asking for the business. And you have to convert. You have to actually put in the work. So if I can convince real estate agents to show up to learn anything, whether it's social media, direct mail marketing, the process. If if I can convince agents to just show up to learn the process, I can guarantee that you will always uh, generate a lead. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that the biggest thing we do today the 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 number one thing that people need to learn is lead generation because it's as you said if i go to a and i get this all the time carrie people go i want to go to a company that's going to give me leads right and and there's companies out there that do provide leads but as you said the split is much much higher and in terms of the company's piece than it would be if you generated your own leads right but then i always go back to that adage right? You can't, if you give a man a fish, he can eat for a day. You teach him the fish, he can eat for a lifetime, right? That's it. And I think we both subscribe to that. And and it is, and what people think is if I give you a lead, so right now if I bought leads and I'm like, our here's 50 leads, go, go after it. And they're like, well, are they ready to buy? No, no, no. You have to go convert. I'll have people get paid for leads and say, Carrie, I called and no one wants to buy. They didn't tell you that they were scrubbed and ready to buy and they're guaranteed to work with you. Someone might not like your photo for all we know. I mean, there's crazy reasons why people don't pick pick us. If agents just showed up, and like I, it doesn't matter what state you're in. All of our associations, our multiple listing services give us so many tools right now that you can leverage to generate leads. And I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm logged into a system and I'm just going to, where do you live? What, what city is close to you or where, what city are you in? Um, let's say Geneva. Okay. Illinois. That's not, that's close to me. So I'm going to go with Geneva. So we'll look at Geneva and I'm looking at Geneva right now. You know, it's not a huge city, but in Geneva right now, if I were to just look at, and I'm looking at a tool that's in our multiple listing service, and I choose mortgage age has no mortgage, 
Right now in Geneva, we've got 3,163 properties with no mortgage. Wow. Right now. And if someone were to say, and if I were to look at data and put in Geneva, and I know, you know, right now, almost everything is selling. If it's listed and if it's listed correctly, everything is selling. But in Geneva, and I know bedroom counts are different everywhere. If I were to look at two bedrooms, three bedrooms, four, and then five or more, and if I were to break out the data by bedroom counts, you are typically selling a four-bedroom, then a three-bedroom. And inventory is so low, right? Yeah. Knowing this, and I go back over to uh, the tools that are available to us through our multiple listing service. If I put in four bedrooms right now in Geneva, there are 500 and I think 60 properties that don't have a mortgage, four bedrooms. So you can go buy the leads or you can just show up class and the multiple listing service will show you how to find these. Yeah. You just got to convert. And, and in this market, I'm sure you know, inventory is so low. Agents are frustrated. We hear agents want to hang their licenses. It's the agents that are consistent with posting on whatever platform of social media they want to use. Be consistent. Post. Be consistent. If I could get you to post once a week, that's 52 weeks of content. If I could get you to post twice a week, we just doubled that number. If I could convince you to post at least three days a week and, you know, say something, give me relevant information, and then you do direct mail, eventually you become the go-to agent because you are teaching me something. It's not always about, I just listed a house, I just closed a house. That, that The agents are motivated by that. Where do they work? I want to work where they work. We're motivated by other people closing. The consumer wants to know that you know what you're doing. Yep. So that, that's a good um, transition to what uh, I want to talk about next, Carrie, which is, you know, I have now, I think, been following you for the last, not not in person, but, you know, on, on social media for the last few years. And it all goes back to a conversation that I had with your husband, Mark. When I, he and I were talking about something and Mark's like, dude, you got to do Snapchat. And, and, you know, he goes, there's a lot of people on Snapchat. And I'm like, Mark, I don't know if you see me, but I'm not really what I would consider to be a Snapchat guy. Right. And, and he made fun of me for that. And he, he wasn't wrong for sure. But I would say your, your social media presence looks to be very, very intense intentional in, in terms of what you're doing. So can you explain to everybody sort of how you, I mean, you, you sort of told us how you started in, in, you know, tech, but how you have actively been using social media to build your brand as, as an instructor, as a coach, as a real estate designated managing broker, because I think you've done an amazing job. So when I, when I started, you, so I started using Facebook when they let the rest of us in the world use it, 2008-ish, because of the admin in my office in week. So when I wasn't holding my own uh, license. And the, and the admin said, Carrie, you need to put your listings on Facebook because people can find them. I'm like, look, I'm on MySpace because my kid is on MySpace and I just need to see what he's doing. No, she's like, no, yes, you need to do this. So I started using Facebook in 2008, just because it was an opportunity for me to market my listings and people weren't doing it. So fast forward, they started having business pages 
And I realized that I could now post on my business page and I could do video on my business page and then I could actually generate leads. So I became a little more intentional on Facebook some time ago, especially when they um, allowed us to go live. I am a human on social media. I'm, I'm authentic. Mark and I, we're, my husband and I, we get along great. We're, he's funny, so sometimes I'll post him. So people do need to see who you are because then they can relate. But I also create content and I'll tell my story. And I actually closed over 1.9 million in volume from a two-minute Facebook Live that I ended up boosting for 10 bucks. Like well over 2,700% return on investment. And it could have just been the day. You know, it doesn't always work that way, but I found that people want to know how they can do it. And they want, if you relate to them and you tell a really good story, that's when it makes sense. I hired someone during the pandemic to help me be, uh, to build a brand as an instructor, but I also uh, became intentional on my company side. So when I hired this person to pandemic as an instructor, no one was teaching outside. In Illinois, no one. So I realized that I had been doing live video and video, but I needed to become consistent. So that is where everything changed for me. I gained more followers on Instagram. And I'm like, oh, I'll just go live every Friday at 9 a.m. here in Illinois and teach agents. So it also became a recruiting tool, although I don't always recruit everyone because I, need, I just need you to work. People think that I'm a help desk and that won't work if you think just talk to me. And so she built out my brand or my website for as an instructor. And so I'm, I'm consistent with the same colors. Um, sometimes I do the fun things. And then when I do post, if it's not consistent with my brand, because it's a, I'm helping promote a, an event in another state that I'm speaking at, eventually I'll archive. And so what I always tell people is it's consistency that wins and being your authentic you. And it is okay to ask your friends to look at your social media and say, what do you think? And when they tell you it looks bad, it looks bad. So you might need to archive some things and clean it up and then um, go back and be consistent with your posting. You can go, I can teach you. Of course, I want you to pay me, but you can go watch all of my YouTube videos. I am Carrie Joe Little everywhere. And you can actually be better at this than a lot of us. So then 2022, I became intentional on YouTube and TikTok. And TikTok blew up. Snapchat? I've been on Snapchat since Lauren was in high school because she told me there was an age limit. So I actually have more followers on Snapchat than any, than any other platform. Because uh, my kid told me there was an age limit. I'm like, I will be 14 right along with you. Now, do you People still get- I have recruited agents from Snapchat. Really? I'm not saying you need it. Don't go open up Snapchat for that reason. If you want the controversy of real estate with Mark and I, come to Snapchat because that's where we post stuff that we don't post anywhere else. Okay. So you've got Facebook, you've got Insta, you said TikTok, YouTube. Uh, what do you think about LinkedIn? Do you do stuff on LinkedIn? I'm intentional on LinkedIn. I, LinkedIn, I have a very built out profile. I use something called Hootsuite, H-O-O-T-S-U-I-T-E. And I use RSS feeds, Real Simple Syndication, and I auto-tweet. And I, uh, and I post automatically on my company business page for Facebook, and I automatically post on LinkedIn. Meta, Facebook, just relaunched threads. 
T-H-R-E-A-D-S because they're competing with Twitter. It was there before, but it doesn't, it, it, it's better now. So I am a, I am quick to jump on a bandwagon. I'm even on Clubhouse. I don't use it as much. My identical twin sister does because she's in the education school and they don't always like to be on video. So I always say I'm using a lot, but that's because I'm intentional and I'm an instructor. I even use artificial intelligence. Pick one. If you are under the age of 35, you need TikTok and Instagram. Everyone needs LinkedIn and you need to build it out like a resume. Okay, so let's talk video. How important is video in today's marketing for a real estate broker? So there's another um, agent in our market, now been in the business about two years, and he did 1.7, I'm sorry, 10 million in volume in the first year and seven months. And he doesn't have a huge YouTube following, but was getting most of his business from YouTube. Really? Because he was just talking about communities. I, again, closed 1.9 million in volume for just one two-minute video. I am more likely to hire the next generation because I'm teaching. As an instructor, I can fill a classroom because I go live on Instagram every Friday. Is video for everyone? It can be, but you just have to go test it. And you can create 60-second short videos and interview someone. Like just right now with this podcast, or you could have your editor clip this up and the editor can take small clips of it and post. you can post it on YouTube Shorts, which is the vertical video, Reels on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, where you can get up to, I think, 10 minutes or even Pinterest if you wanted, but like you could repurpose a lot of this content. Right. And I think that a lot of people today, a lot of agents, you know, at least some of the pushback or feedback that I'm getting, Carrie, is that they're like, you know, I don't have time. I don't have time to do all of this stuff. But you mentioned a tool, Hootsuite, where you put the content in one place and it distributes it, doesn't it? It does. So, and you can use a free version. You do need to Google that because they will automatically ask for a credit card. But if you Google free Hootsuite, H-O-O-T-S-U-I-T-E, you can use the free version. And I believe you get three sites for free. But I think you only get two real simple syndication RSS feeds for free. You only get two. Now, you can even schedule your posts that way. When agents tell me they don't have time, sit down with me and show me your day. You've got time. You're choosing not to take the time. Because a top producing agent that's doing hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in income has a schedule. They have made a career out of this. So there's an agent that I know that doesn't do social media, but cold calls every day, Monday through Friday from 9 to 11. I'm sure you could probably guess which program that is. Then schedules appointments in the afternoon between 2 and 3 and then maybe 5 and 6 and every Saturday gets their nails done. You can't tell me that you don't have time. You are choosing not to have the time. And when someone says, well, I'm a parent. When I got licensed in 2001, I had two kids at home. I was pregnant within the first 90 days. And my goal was to only make $60,000 that first year. And I did it, pregnant, throwing up. So really it is, when people say they, they, they don't have time, I need to see your schedule. You have time. You're just choosing not to schedule yourself. You probably don't even have a schedule. You don't have to do all of it. Right. Just right. And, and I think that's a great strategy, especially for people who are reticent to, to 
get into the whole the whole social media thing. I mean, they already have accounts. I mean, they're already scrolling themselves and liking and commenting on what other people are doing. So when you're addicted at eight o'clock at night, everyone else is addicted. So if you had created your all your videos Sunday, you go to church on Sunday or somewhere on Sunday morning, right? You could literally come back home or on a Monday, even if you're dual career, and go create three videos. I'm going to create another video today and post it. I have a tripod right here. I'll just create the quick video and save it as a draft. Because what I know is in the evenings, that's when everybody else is scrolling, who are more likely to be seen. So it only takes 60 seconds to do a video, even if you don't like it. What we say about videos, you might need to talk a little bit faster so you're not boring. And if you need to be scripted, just go get a regular sheet of paper and come up with three bullet points. Like, what's your hook when you start talking? Don't introduce yourself first. Just start talking because you only get 60 seconds. It's, let me tell you why you should not rent. Or I might say, I had a client that had a tenant that paid off their mortgage. Do you want that to be you? And this that's a true story. It's a, it is a great hook because now you're like, what? I literally had a person that never moved into the house they purchased, not too far from me, because they decided to move somewhere else in Illinois. And then they moved in a tenant, and this, now the tenant was ready to move. I go to the property to look at the property, and the tenant's complaining to me. I don't represent the tenant. He's just unloading. He already found a place to go. He was like, I paid off this guy's mortgage. I was like, interesting. I'm thinking, this is my next content. <laughs> The key is, is you gotta you gotta tell the story. You don't don't put the don't put people down. That we see a lot. That right there is a true story. Do you want to be the now this person has lived in this guy's property for 30 years, paid off the mortgage, and has no wealth building in his no he has nothing to own. And probably in that entire 30 years, never said, Can I buy the townhouse? Probably never got his credit fixed. Yeah, so. it's it's there are stories like that out there everywhere. And, you know, like you said, get what's the hook? You know, what is it that's going to be the interesting part of what you have to say? And some people are like, well, I've got nothing interesting to say. Go chat GPT and go put in, I need 10 ideas for rent versus own with a strong hook, a simple, three, three tips on why you should rent versus to own and hashtags and build it in a table view. It'll build it in 60 seconds. No excuse. <laughs> so let's talk about that, Carrie, because you mentioned a couple of times that you've got a class in terms of talking about AI with, and, and let's face it, the last year in AI has been something out of this world, right? I mean, it's it been- has. I, so I, I'm working on my continuing ed class is almost finished because I think more people will show up for that. But even um, our local association is having an event um coming up and it's all about AI. So whatever association you're with, go to the website and check out the, the dates. Because a lot of times we just don't know. Um, sometimes they're free or not free, but it's worth going to learn about artificial intelligence. Do I think it's going to replace an agent? No. But the agent that figures it out, that, you know, it's hard to get what's here into the spoken word or the written word. We know we, we do the job of real estate or the business of real estate every day, but we haven't figured out to put how to put it in great content. So if you have an idea, you could throw it into, you know, whether it's ChatGPT or Perplexity or, you know, Google has one. 
you can go ask it to say, you are now a content creator. Give me 10 ideas for uh, scripts for Instagram reels on why I should own versus renting a home. Enter. And it'll give you ideas. And, and that's the value of AI to a real estate broker, right? We don't have to think of it ourselves or it might give us something we, we didn't think about. Right? Absolutely. Or if, because, you know, you could do a scope of work. You can, you know, I still think you need to do research. I can take the data from my multiple listing service and I can say compare and contrast um, Geneva 2013 to the month of May 2013 compared to May 2023. And then it'll tell me the differences. And I can even say write a letter to a potential seller and show why someone might want to consider selling their home today. And you can see it'll give you a link. Wow. Wow. So it really is the prompts that you put into these things that get you some great reaction. Of course, you have to edit it and make sure that, you know, it's it's I don't want to say it's true, but a lot of times, even at the bottom of ChatGPT, they're like, we don't verify, we don't guarantee that what this is saying is true. It's just saying this is what we found. Right? Absolutely. So you gotta go, you gotta go fact find. Because I've asked the question, where did you get the data from? And it will say this is where we pulled the data from. I'm asked, I asked it where it got it. Got it. Excellent. There you go. And so what do you think the future is with regard to? you know, AI and what, it, how it's going to be used in this business? Well, it's already being used because even in our multiple listing service, if you throw your photos in, you can say, would you like it to tell you what these photos, what rooms these photos are? Uh, it's already being used in some areas to pull in all of the data so it helps an agent list a home better. Um, we're already using augmented reality. So I could see it as being able to physically be standing next to you, Art, while you're showing me a property and I'm in Spain and I can kind of walk through with you. I do. I, I think it's going to change the way we do business. Do I think it's going to change the human part of it? No. You still need to know what you're doing, but if an agent should not wait to learn. Got it. I mean, if you go to UCLA or if you go, there's a barbecue, uh, um, a an, an Asian fried chicken place in Bolingbrook and the promenade, promenade, whatever that mall is, that has a robot that brings you your food. I mean, you have robots that deliver your your books or whatever you want at UCLA. You know, there's our, you know, we've seen all the movies. If someone could think of it, they're working. I mean, I have, we just uh, got an electric car and the artificial intelligence is already there. I was going to move over in the car pulled me back into a lane because there was a car that jumped out. So artificial intelligence is happening and people that have the, the ideas to make it work, like you can put AI on your back of your website. You can help, you know, there's our chat box. We're already using it. It's just now the open AI source is available for you. Yeah, and it certainly changed the way people are, are doing not only this business, but almost every business that's out there. Yeah. So, and I want you to know that I appreciate your time here. Obviously I, I have a, my last question for the most part is being in the business now for 22 years. Congratulations. Um, what's your best piece of advice? Actually, I know I have two questions. I always ask the same. Two. So number one, what's your best piece of advice 
for somebody who's getting into this business today in the current climate? I'm going to say, reach out to everyone you know and let them know you're in the business and be consistent with keeping in touch with them every single month. You don't have to do direct mail. You can post on social media, but they need you need to remind them that you are in the business of real estate. And it might even mean that you're going to go meet them for coffee. You need to be the first person they think of. And to make that even better, because a lot of people will say, Carrie, well, my family and friends don't want to work with me because they think I don't know what I'm doing. Tell them you don't. But you have a designated managing broker that does, and they're going to help you through the process. And if they say, well, say, how about you do this? Because you know that I really want to be a real estate agent. How about you allow me to refer you to someone so at least I can feed my family? I won with the guilt trip. Because sometimes we don't, we need them to know we need an opportunity. And then I'm going to say, um, in addition to that, is if you're dual career, take one class a week. And it could be at the office or it could be with the MLS. Take one class a week, show up to learn. And then every weekend, I want you to go to open houses and go visit new construction and take a friend because what it will do is it'll make you put you in the motions of going out to look at real estate. You a body in motion stays stays in motion, but if you keep learning and learning and learning, but you never go outside, it will be hard for you to do the business. You gotta go practice it. And if you really want to practice, tell a friend I need you to go get pre-approved so you can go through the process of buying a home. And then when they your credit stuff, say okay, now we're, let's figure out how we can help you fix your credit. We're gonna go sell all your stuff. We're gonna go garage sale. Go through the emotion and the motions with them, because when you do that, you're going to have the stories and you're going to be able to prove that someone can buy. Got to go do the work. Oh, and don't wait to the last minute to learn how to write a contract. Do not call your managing broker at eight o'clock at night on a Saturday or a Sunday because they're out to dinner with family. Go oh, take a contract out and fill it out and show it to your managing broker and ask them if you get it right. Like Go practice. Go write some contracts. Absolutely. Don't call your real estate instructor either. I'll just point that out as well. Oh, they! I, I tell people, you can reach out to me anytime, but just know I'm not answering right away. So you'd be better off calling the help desk for the MLS or your managing broker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then what I think is, is my last question um, is, what do you think the number one skill a real estate broker needs to have today? This is hard, but I'm going to say, the number one skill is going to be you need to learn how to explain data, real estate data. Because and even if you're an introvert or an extrovert, if you learn data, then when you start lead generating and you can explain what's happening in the market, people will know that you understand the business. Now, you, I could easily argue the number one skill would be networking and going outside. It depends on who you are, but you need to continue to meet people. You need to continue to add people to your database. But I can almost guarantee that if you learn how to explain real estate data, when someone you have conversations with people and you can tell them what's happening in the marketplace, it'll be easier for you to convert because then it'll be easier for you to work with a buyer and a seller. You got to meet people. You got to talk to people. Even if you don't want to talk to people, you got to learn how to explain real estate data. If I can explain data, anyone can. I hated math. <laughs> well, I, I certainly am with you on that piece, but I do agree that the data, we, we are definitely more of a data-driven society these days. And people 
will believe it when they can see the numbers and when you can show them what's going on. It moves it away from being just your opinion, even though it's it's an educated opinion, to being something that here's the facts. And this is where I draw my educated opinion from, right? Right. You can explain the data to someone. And if they did, you know, when they move forward, they know you didn't make it up. That's it. That's it. A hundred percent. Now, Carrie, can, uh, let me ask you this. It, your contact information is going to be below in our show notes and in the video notes. Um, is it okay if somebody has questions that they reach out to you and maybe see how you do business or maybe want to work with you? Is that okay? Would you mind? Uh, you know, I would say you can always reach out to me. I am, you know, quick to answer on Instagram and Facebook Messenger. And I would pop, and, and sometimes I would push you to my Instagram live, but I'm, you know, I always say, don't be afraid to reach out because you never know. You might catch me at eight o'clock at night and I'll just sit and chat with you. There you go. Well, I appreciate that. I absolutely, and I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to sit down with us and, and give us the benefit of your experience. I think you have a, a wide breadth of, of experience and, you know, you're, you're fun and, you know, you have a good time. And I think people really will um, resonate with the message that you've given us, which is, you know, get out there, right? Got to go out. You got to, you know, close mouths, don't get fed. And if you don't get out there and, and do the work, you cannot sustain the real estate business. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And I wish you continued success as always. Say hi to Mark for me and let's continue to rock and roll, right? Right. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks again to our sponsor, I Love Real Estate School. Thanks for tuning in to the Real Estate Roundtable podcast. I hope you enjoyed hearing from our amazing guests and you picked up some valuable tips and insights that you can use in your own real estate business. If you liked what you heard today, Please take a moment to like, subscribe, and share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. Your support means the world to us and helps us bring you more great content in the future. And if you're an agent who's interested in coaching, I'd love to hear from you. You can contact me directly through my website, myrealestatesalesmanager.com, or connect with me on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you the next time in the Real Estate Roundtable Podcast.